Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word martyr in English comes from the Greek word marturia, which means witness or testimony. In English, we call someone a martyr if they literally or figuratively are killed in sacrifice for a cause. One literally becomes a martyr if they are, say, assassinated for their ideas, messaging, or beliefs. Figuratively, we might say somebody is a martyr if they take the fall for a cause they are devoted to in some sort of sacrificial way, even if they don't end up literally being killed for it in the process. All of this language comes from our Greek word marturia and its use in the Bible to describe the deaths of the apostles at the hands of their persecutors. That is, when they were killed for what they believed, the Bible implies that this was the highest form of testimony or witness that the faithful could show towards their belief that Jesus is Lord and means to welcome us all into his resurrection. To this day, we might casually say that something is to die for. What we mean is that it is really good, really worthwhile, or, or something that is beloved by the person speaking. Deaths of the apostles at the hands of their persecutors proved that their faith was uh, proved their faith and was seen as bearing ultimate witness to the goodness of Christ on earth. Stephen was the very first of these apostles. He became the target of those in power in Jerusalem just a short time after the church had formed. The beginning of the book of Acts uh, starts by describing how the church started in Jerusalem, tells us of people meeting in one one another's houses, talks about how they went to temple together, and even rejoices in how they converted and baptized several thousand Jerusalemites into this new Jesus movement uh, that we read about a couple weeks ago from Acts chapter 2. By chapter 7, things were different. The The religious powers that be had started to take notice of what they had deemed to be heresy, and over it they were out for blood. They put Stephen on trial. For his defense, Stephen recounted how God had been faithful to their ancestors from Abraham through Jacob, later on through Moses, and eventually to Solomon through the building of the temple. Then he claimed that God does not dwell in houses made by human hands, but instead resides in all the world, and rebuked his audience for silencing the prophets that proclaimed this truth. How did his judges respond to his defense? Fell into a rage, formed a mob that dragged Stephen out of the city and threw rocks at his head until he died. 
Stephen's martyrdom was a pretty gruesome scene. As all of this was happening, though, we hear of Stephen having a beatific vision of God in heaven and his prayer for those persecuting him to death. Verse 56 says, Look, Stephen said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. As he was facing imminent death over his faith in the Almighty, all Stephen could see was Jesus with God the Father in the heavenly realm. Fear at the danger he faced evaporated. The agony of the moment melted away. And he was at ultimate peace in the moment that he was about to face an incredibly violent end. Stephen's death really was a witness to who God was in his life and served as a witness to how his faith brought him peace amidst the violence and hatred of his neighbors and his countrymen. More than that, though, Stephen did not only experience divine peace for himself, but he also prayed for it to be bestowed upon those who were killing him. Our passage for this week also says, While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. While the crowd was in the middle of murdering him, in the middle of murdering him, Stephen prayed for God's forgiveness over them. If that is not a witness, a testimony to God's love, I don't know what is. As he was enduring great violence, he asked that God never do the same thing to those who were making him suffer. Powerful. Faithful. In that final moment, I think it is fair to say that Stephen's faith cast out all of his fear. He was not led to worry about the future of the church, rebuke any of his attackers, or resort to any sort of vengeful anger. Many of us would probably agree that he was right to be afraid, justified in getting angry, or had a right to any other crazy emotions that come up for us and for people when they face their own demise. In Stephen's case, his faith brought a sense of peace and love that served as its own response to the murderous cruelty that he was enduring. In that moment, all he saw was his Savior. In that moment, all he could do was pray for the well-being of those who had made themselves his enemies. His life and witness ended in pure faith, leading him to ultimate expressions of love and forgiveness. Now this may lead us to ask, how is faith expressed publicly in our lives? It's a good question. Important question. Many Christians these days, as well as throughout the history of Western Christianity, 
believe that it is right that faith should be displayed publicly through things like power, control, and order. At least from a human point of view, uh, point of view it follows that if God is good, <clears throat> then earthly power should be in line with, what a, with that good and gracious God by exhibiting a sort of holy control and order. This idea is all well and good until we remember that power, control, and order rely on the exertion of and threat of force. So if somebody gets out of line, goes against the order of things, and cannot be controlled, then they are to be dealt with by force. While we as Christians may desire for our sense of law and order to reflect our faith, we should be careful with how far we take these ideas. If we go too far down that road, we end up like the priests and religious leaders in Jerusalem who thought that they were advocating for God's law and God's order by killing Stephen, when really they were just murdering one of God's faithful ones. Christians should not advocate that non-believers be jailed for their unbelief. Anyone be expelled from public debate because they go against the grain. Or that rules and regulations from the Bible should be forced on anyone through threat of violence and force. This is not actually the way of God, but the way of the world. Instead, Instead, we should follow the example of Stephen, who did not resist threats against him with fear or reactive force, but met them with faith and forgiveness. The ways of God and the kingdom of God are higher than the ways of humanity. There is cause for great fear from a worldly, where there is cause for great fear from a worldly sense, say, people picking up rocks and trying to throw them at your head. We can laugh at that, right? It's been a while. <laughs> there is also opportunity in these moments for faith to shine through. Dr. Willie James Jennings, uh, Jennings a professor at uh, Yale Divinity School, wrote in his commentary on, the pas on this passage, quote, The church was born in the tight space between faith and fear and forever lives in that space. Only the Holy Spirit keeps that space from collapsing in on us. I love this description of faith and fear being separated by an ever so tiny space that can barely hold its own. To use Stephen's martyrdom as an example, I think we, I might be afraid if a crowd picked up big rocks and started throwing them at my head. At the same time, as we see from our passage from Acts, this would be a powerful instance when I could also exhibit great faith by praying for the ones doing it. It is in moments of great upheaval and threat that we can respond with faith and love, mercy and forgiveness, grace and goodness, in the midst of cruelty, violence, and mean-spiritedness. 
The space between faith and fear is indeed tight. But that is exactly the space in which the Holy Spirit means to keep the church as it always has before. Friends in faith, it is difficult but good to step into Stephen's legacy again this morning. When the powers that be sought to control or sought control by silencing his witness, they only made it stronger because they could not kill his love for our Lord or his love for his neighbors. We responded to the force arrayed against him with faith and forgiveness that shines through to this day. May we be so blessed to know this kind of faith in our own lives and to show the world what it means to bask in the divine love cannot be wiped out or killed, no matter how cruel the world can get. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.